0: Well, our, our reading tonight um, comes as uh, the sixth of you-have-heard um, passages in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and then each of these, Jesus takes something that the people were used to hearing, some uh, advice or teaching that was always scripturally based Usually upon the law, and he opens a new understanding of what it means. He says, You have heard, and then he explores and maybe explodes what they have heard and brings newness to it. In the previous verses he's spoken of how we will not only be judged for murder but for the anger that can lead to murder. He talks of looking lustfully can be adulterous. He challenges the thinking of justice being an eye for an eye. He takes much of what the people are used to and tears it apart and says you have to think new. You have to think with love. This one that we are actually reading. Loving your neighbour as yourself. Is uh, later declared to be uh, the second greatest commandment. Following loving God. But Jesus here. In the first time he mentions it in Matthew. defines neighbour in a new way for the people new from what they had been used to quite different from what was implied uh, in Leviticus 19 where the, the understanding of loving neighbour came from the scripture Leviticus 19 verse 18 says do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people but love your neighbour as yourself I i the Lord Jesus' starting point love your neighbours and hate your enemies the thing that he's saying you have heard is a misquote of scripture he's saying what you're used to hearing is actually not what you're supposed to hear in the first place what you're comfortable with ...love your neighbour, hate your enemies... ...is bad advice. It's bad teaching. It shows that God's law given through Moses... ...has been poorly preached in the temple... ...and it's been badly lived out by the people. There is in fact very little in scripture... ...that even by taking it out of context... ...gives a view that it is right to hate anyone... Because God is love. And wherever you look, whether it's Old or New Testament, you can find an underlying current that reveals the loving kindness of God, how He cares for His people and how He cares for the world. The law on neighbours speaks of loving those Israelites, is the, the law as written in Leviticus. Loving those Israelites that you might have cause to hate. Those that you might for some reason have a grudge against. Those rivals that you might want to seek revenge against. They are the people to be loved. They are your neighbour. And the declaration, I am the Lord which appears at the end, points to the promise that it is God who will judge. It's not for us to take the revenge. It's not for us to do the retribution. It is the Lord's. Jesus goes further, pointing this out. He calls all to pray for those who who might persecute us suggesting that Jesus is including in his definition of neighbours not simply those other Israelites which is what the Leviticus passage was originally talking about but he's also now meaning the Romans and probably too any other nation which has come and occupied and oppressed the people of the promised holy land over the years obstructing How people should live faithful lives worshipping the one true God. He speaks of ways God shows love to everyone. He gives that example that God brings his sunshine on the just, on the unjust. He allows the rain to fall upon them now of course we might go rain Mm." but rain is a blessing in the Bible if you live in a dry deserty place rain is a blessing and this rain falls on people who are Israelite and people who are Gentile not Israelite whoever they are Wherever the individual is from, each one is a neighbor to be loved. And God has love for them. Love that is revealed in Jesus the Christ. And if God has love for them, we should too. Now, it's, a, it's kind of at this point that if it was Luke's gospel, we'd suddenly find ourselves hearing a question being asked. Who is my neighbour? To which Jesus responds with a certain parable. Which is? The Good Samaritan. He's a good Samaritan. Comes out of the Good Samaritan. And again, gives that example of it not necessarily being the person that you expect to be your neighbour not necessarily being the person that's from the same background that lives in the same street but it might be somebody who is quite different from you now of course we're not in Luke Luke that was written at a slightly later date that was written to a slightly broader audience. Matthew was writing for a Jewish readership or at least Jews that had come to faith in Christ and maybe putting in the Good Samaritan might have just been pushing it a little bit too far. There are reasons why the Gospels don't sound perfectly the same as each other, just like the broadsheet newspapers. Might have had journalists that have gone to the same press conference and report on the same story, but it appears in their columns, be it The Guardian or The Telegraph or The Times or The FT, as a different occurrence. The Gospels tell things in a different way because the person inspired by the Holy Spirit, drawn to write it down, records what is right for that readership that they may hear and understand. And here Matthew explores this story around love without that parable coming in. But still, he's getting that point across. That God has love for all. That it's not about those preconceived ideas. And he reports how... Jesus starts to explore... That... Not having love, but having hatred is how the other people live and it's not how we have called to live it is inadequate to live the life of the person who only loves those that they are like those who will love in return to only love those of the same cultural group as oneself is not to love as Christ loves. He equates that attitude with being pagan. We will be the sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father when we are seen to have love for all people, just as the Heavenly Father has love for all people. Such love that sent... Jesus, God's only Son, into the world. Such love that his body was broken and his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Our love and our righteousness as the Father's children must be, we are told in verse 48, it must be perfect. And this is one of those moments that I read the text and uh, I sort of go, what? Perfect. I am human. I have frailties. I am a sinner. And we find maybe like the, we, are, we have a, one of the prophets say Isaiah at the time of his call in Isaiah 6 he's there going you want me to be a prophet no you want me to be a child of God really how can I be perfect this is an impossible thing we cannot do it we start to pull our hair out but the Greek word that's here that gets translated as perfect in the text that has, has quite a wide meaning and it goes beyond that moral discussion of loving all perfectly it relates to the wholeness that we are to have and that wholeness comes from God we are not perfect but what Christ does for us creates a perfection within us For our part, we need to journey towards Christ's ideal love for all. And we have to journey that way with a sacrificial heart, seeking God's will, but recognizing too our imperfection and then laying it all before the Lord to be cleansed, to be renewed. To be made whole. We can be holy. Because the Lord is holy. But in response to that love. That we have received. Are we truly ready to love. And what does that mean in a society. Which is constantly pulling itself apart. Whatever others do whatever rhetoric you might hear in the media this week as parliamentarians struggle among themselves to find a way forward whatever happens this year be children of your heavenly father and seek his love for all people Amen.